Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. You can find all of my written reviews there at that website as well as contact information and links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. Just go to Quipster.net and check it out. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising, at least that's how it's called in the United States. Elsewhere, including the UK, it's called Bad Neighbors 2. It's a comedy, R-rated, because of crude sexual content that includes brief graphic nudity, language throughout, drug use, and teen partying. The runtime is an hour and 32 minutes. The cast brings back Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne and Zac Efron. Joining the cast are Chloe Grace Moretz, Kiersey Clemens, Beanie Feldstein, and some smaller roles for returning members Ike Barinholtz, Dave Franco, and some very small roles for Selena Gomez, Aquafina, and more cameo roles for Christopher Mintz-Plasse, Hannibal Burris, Lisa Kudrow, Kelsey Grammer, and Kyle Mooney. The director is Nicholas Stoller, and the screenplay is by Andrew J. Cohen, Brendan O'Brien, Nicholas Stoller, the director, Seth Rogen, and Evan Goldberg. Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising is, in essence, a rehash of the original film Neighbors, It's directed with a sorority next door to the family who just wants peace and quiet instead of a fraternity. It's not an exact copy because the introduction of women into the mix does allow for some mild exploration into the breaking of gender-based double standards and some commentary on the pressures that exist for many women to conform to how male-dominated society would like them to be, which is, I guess, sex objects. Not that films that have social-political subtext automatically make them good films or even better films, but I do think that the utilization in Neighbors 2 manages to temper the misogyny that permeates most frat house raunch fests. It does find humor in the tug of war between these crazy id-based sexist pigs and the overly high-minded political correctness movement and toys around with both of them in a way that I do think makes it somewhat refreshing even though it's a rehash. Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne do return. They're playing married couple Mac and Kelly Radner. They're set to find a bigger home in a nicer neighborhood to live in after Kelly finds that she has another baby on the way. After putting money down for their new abode, they do find a buyer for their current one, but they come to learn it's still in escrow, which means, in an oversimplified explanation for the purpose of this film, that the buyer of their current home can swing by any time within 30 days to inspect the house and can also back out of the deal if things aren't up to snuff. Not a problem generally, but there's a new unaffiliated sorority named Kappa Nu that's moved in to take over the empty home that previously used to be owned by the fraternity next door. And this sorority is built mostly on the notion that unlike other sororities that aren't allowed to throw parties where they serve alcohol in the United States, they will do all of the drinking and the raving and the weed smoking they want, just like their male counterparts and fraternities do, without the overhead of being treated like hoes by so-called rapey frat boys. The Radners not only have the spirited and determined young women to contend with, but also they find the return of Teddy, played by Zac Efron, the jobless former frat house president. He agrees to mentor the freshman women on how to make their sorority as successful as his former frat in exchange for a much-needed place to live. The first order of business for the sorority is to set up rush parties right away and bring in those girls who are going to give them the revenue 
they need to keep the sorority afloat throughout the rest of the year. However, the Radners are hell-bent on ruining those parties until the escrow period is up, which means that it's war once again between the family that wants serenity at all costs and the girls who just want to party all the time. As mentioned earlier, Neighbors 2 is credited to five screenwriters, including the original screenwriters of Neighbors, Andrew J. Cohen and Brendan O'Brien. The rest of the credits go to director Nicholas Stoller and the team of the main star, Seth Rogen, and his frequent improvisational think tank collaborator, Evan Goldberg, which generally means, at least to me, that the director, the actor, and the co-screenwriter get credit because they improv a lot of the scenes. As a film, Neighbors 2 mostly overcomes its redundancy in its plotting and the silly contrivances to get all of these characters together again by finding enough wrinkles of humor in the main premise to amuse people who are typical Seth Rogen fans, i.e. those primarily seeking a rauncher stoner comedy as the ones he's come to be known for. The main object of the movie is not to deliver a fulfilling story or rich character arcs, but rather to make you laugh at these silly characters and all of their foibles. Along these lines, it will be seen as successful for those within the target audience to come away feeling like the revisit is worthwhile. I won't say it will be seen as better than the first entry for most, but it does retain the same vibe and the success rate in drawing out some hearty guffaws. The cast is definitely not content to just rest on the laurels of name recognition for the film. They earnestly go all out in making the comedy work. Really good performances here. Zac Efron continues to show that he can be funny if he chooses better roles. Now, that's not to say that the film always works. There's a kitchen sink approach to the comedy. It leads to a lot of sloppy storytelling once all of the ideas and the these alternate scenes that don't play well to test audiences have been chopped down so that the film retains a respectable 92-minute runtime. In fact, I've seen the trailers for this film, both the Red Band and the general audience one, and those trailers actually contain quite a bit of footage that didn't make it into the final cut. Scenes that had Lena Dunham and LL Cool J ended up on the proverbial cutting room floor. A couple of the bodily function gags are extremely gross. They involve a bout of morning sickness that occurs during sex. This one you can see coming a mile away. It's early in the film. There is a womb-busting infant. There's babies that continuously want to play with their parents' adult sex toys. There are some very unsanitary pads that are used as weapons in this film. These are repulsive sight gags. They're not intrinsically funny, but they do draw out instant reactions in audiences because they wince at what they've seen. Then they end up laughing at themselves or perhaps the people that they came to the theater with because of the reaction. I guess, you know, a laugh is a laugh, whatever it takes, right? At least according to the makers of Neighbors 2. The same goes for the vastly overmined use of weed for humor. I'm personally tired of it at this point. I think that there's really not much you can do in terms of finding new ways to make weed funny. Nevertheless, I did see this film with a college-aged crowd and laughs can seemingly just be had merely by showing characters getting baked, mostly because the younger audience members relate to smoking weed, especially those who are toked up prior to going to the theater will find it funny just by being able to relate to what's going on in the screen. No need to do anything witty or clever with it when someone just taking a hit draws out low-hanging snickers. 
Now, outside of this, there are a number of funny moments for these dim bulb characters, and though Neighbors 2 lacks the underlying sweetness of the original film in terms of what it means to finally embrace becoming an adult, I do think that it remains an engaging enough diversion purely as a glorified 90 minutes of sketch ideas that are wrapped around a central plot hook. All in all, I do think Neighbors 2 is a scattershot comedy. It definitely won't be to every taste, but for those viewers who enjoyed the first entry strictly for the laughs and maybe they like the cast. It's a superfluous but generally amusing effort that has a good sense of comic timing throughout. In other words, it's a half-baked idea for a follow-up, but it will likely sate fully baked audiences. I'm giving Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising three stars out of four, and three stars on my scale means that it is basically strictly for those people who have a specific interest in this movie. If you like the first film a lot, you'll probably want to give this one a chance. Certainly, if you like gross-out Storner comedies, this is going to be right up your alley. So if that doesn't mean you, stay away from it. It's probably not going to win you over. You have to have seen and liked the first film to appreciate the second film. And within that, your expectations can't be as high as you might have to be to find it truly, really that funny. So, Neighbors 2, a mild recommendation strictly for fans of the genre. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you did, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button to get my reviews downloaded into your podcast player throughout the year. Also, if you happen to be on iTunes or anyplace else to leave a review, I do encourage you to do that as well in order to support the show and let other people know to check it out. Until next time, I do appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 